So thanks for listening and uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> and uh, so I'm here with Carlos and uh, Carlos is uh, a colleague of mine at DICE and uh, we worked together since a couple of months ago. So maybe you can introduce yourself. <laughs> well, uh, yes, so my name is Carlos. Uh, thank you for having me today. Uh, it's, it's definitely a pleasure. Who doesn't like to talk about himself? <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been working at DICE for two and a half years now, cool. a little bit more. Um, yeah, I've been working at EA for a bit longer than that, oh, cool. different studios. Uh, I work as a uh, UI UX do you, artist. Do you, do you consider yourself an artist or a UX designer or both? Or I think I consider myself an artist. Uh, first mode, most. Uh, first mode an artist and with a, with a strong UX uh, awesome. discipline because it's pretty much uh, what I do every day as well. Okay, so, so I usually like to start this with, to ask you... Um, What's your history with games? So what's the first game you remember playing in your life? And where was this? Can you kind of sketch it? Well, so um, I, I grew up in Ecuador. So the first computer that I ever saw in my life was a Macintosh Plus. And the first game that I was on that computer was a game called The Jewel. And Jewel. It's, a, it's a car game. And it was amazing. Like the graphics, black and white, were amazing. The sound, <laughs> one bit, was amazing. I still remember the track. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it was exciting. Uh, the game that actually made um, more of an impact. There's two games actually that made an impact for, for me, as in, you know, this is a higher medium. Uh, one is called Marathon, which is the bungee made marathon. Uh, cool. So I, I consider Marathon the the dad of uh, of uh, Halo. Uh, cool. So that was kind of the first game you remember as being that really gave you the idea of what the medium could be. Games. Yeah, it had a great mood. It wasn't just a first-person shooter. It had a mood. It had a music. It it created an ambience and an effect on me, like movie movies does. So, uh, you, so cool. you were you were you were afraid in the game. You you were excited in the game. So that that that's when I realized that this is you know this is a, a medium that's powerful. Yeah, and you played it on Mac as well, or was it what was it on? It was on Mac. Yeah, cool. It was on awesome. Mac. And then that was one. The other one is Mist. Actually, it's Riven because actually I, the first, I, I first played Riven before I saw Mist. And Riven, that was that was the ultimate because Riven has just created such a powerful mood, and uh, to this day I listen to the soundtrack oh, cool. to relax. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember Mist. Like I remember having it on CD-ROMs, and uh, but I don't know. I, I haven't played Riven before. Is it the same makers who made it? Or it's the same makers. It's Cyan. Uh -huh. uh, you can see there's a big evolution between Mist and, uh, and Riven. Uh, back in these days, Riven was the most advanced things that, that there was. Like graphic, cool. graphics, sales, interaction, just redefine the medium, redefine what games are, and. So it was, it was really a, a milestone uh, in the previous century. And, and how, how, how was it? In, how were games in Ecuador? Like, were there? Did you have friends that had games, or what? What were there arcades? Or because if I look at my own time, like when I lived in Egypt, for instance, there was back in the eighties and stuff. There were in the early nineties. There were a lot of arcades, but not a lot of people had computers. Some did, but it was a bit less. So the, there was no games really. Uh, technology was very limited, and just 
the the computer having a computer was like oh my god you know this is a computer and this is back in the 80s right like or this is uh, more like 90s 90s yeah, yeah. okay yeah. well yeah in the 80s there was not even access to any computer so from from my family from what yeah. i remember my friends and in the 90s uh, because my parents work in uh, in academia so they had access to all the installations there and and i mean later we bought a computer but the games that we had it was either was installed in this in the uh, labs there but it came with the computer that we had, uh-huh. and that was it. Yeah. It didn't go. There was no store that would give you sell you a game. There was no nothing. So you pretty much during that decade, I just played like a handful of games. Oh wow! And I played yeah. them again and again because there was nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember back then. Like, I I remember getting my first Sound Blaster with a CD-ROM, and it had like right. a couple of games with it. It had King's Quest V and and Space Quest, I think some some games. And they were the first games to have voice in them and stuff. And I also remember just playing them over and over. You know, like, uh, it's a different, uh, different era, I guess, that way. And yeah, <laughs> at, at, at some point we became limited because the I remember the first Halo that came out, and we tried to play it with my brother and our computers. At that point, the computers that we had, it, they just couldn't handle it. <laughs> so we had this very clunky. It's like, oh my god, look at the graphics and yeah, the Halo slideshow. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't play it and I think that was I think Halo Myth from Bungie as well like there's a handful of games of Warcraft the, the yeah. Warcraft 1 and 2 yeah the first ones yeah. those are the, kind of like the end for us because we just didn't have the equipment oh, to play yeah and uh, so and about your uh, time in Ecuador did you study there and so yeah so I, I studied in Ecuador and my parents are artists, and I guess that influenced me as well. So I had in my mind that I wanted to be some sort of artist, and I studied uh, painting, graphic design. Someone told me that there's this cool thing, 3D, and I thought, like, well, this is sounds interesting. I uh, went to a course and changed my life. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be an animator from now on. So actually, I, I pursued animation for many years after that. Um, and the, the course that was 3D Max, or what were you? Learning? The course was actually. This is interesting because this was uh, my my mentor. He was actually teaching a course for the students that were graduating, so they were doing the final project. Mm-hmm. But I had, and I was in like a second year, but he knew that I was good at drawing, so he invited me to this, and he said, like, you know, all these drawings that you do, we need someone that does concept art for us and you can learn this 3D thing. Oh, cool. So I was learning with the graduating class. So the, the graduating class, they obviously already knew everything. They knew all, you know, rigging and all that, and I was catching up with them. Yeah. But it was an amazing experience because we, you know, by my second year, I had my name on a graduating short film. Oh, cool. So yeah. that, that was pretty cool. So that was more directed towards the film industry, I guess, or animation. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, but that but that really opened my eyes. At at that point, I said like, okay, this I'm I'm gonna do animation. That's yeah. that's my future. And from there on, after graduating and and I set my I set my goal to study animation, which eventually I did. I went to to Vancouver to study uh, uh, 3D animation, character animation, and and special effects. Yeah, so so that's like rigging and animating, I guess. Yeah. And, and what packages did you use? Did you use? Um, so I. Before going, I learned Maya on my own, and uh, on VFS uh, we were using um, Softimage XSI, yeah, yeah. 
great piece of package. I think it's now it disappeared. Yeah, I guess four years ago. Back then, like all the this, the movies were using soft image, yeah. were they? And like the pre-rendered games as well, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Maya, mainly Maya and Softimage were my... Oh, and well, I use Lightwave a lot because that's that's what I started in Ecuador. Ah, okay. uh, so Lightwave was also a, a pretty pretty good package that I used to uh, used to use. And and what about games then? Did you, like when you were in Canada, did you get in touch with any games? Did you... So actually, I left games for, from the moment that I decided to be an animator. I kind of stepped away from games for many years and I didn't come back until like until I step into the industry. Ah, okay. But but what I have to mention is that during during all this year, all that time, uh, I was doing a lot of 3D and I was doing a lot of uh, game-ish mechanics because uh-huh. with every portfolio that I was doing, I just wanted to make this immersive experience. Like you are stepping into Riven. Yeah. In my head, I was I was thinking like, okay, the people that are going to see my portfolio, they're going to step into Riven and they're going to find their way to find my animation, which is a terrible idea, mm-hmm. because you want people to access your your animation as soon as possible. Yeah, but but still, you, you kind of did approach it from something like an experience, not yeah. as a... Because I guess most people, they have a portfolio or a video reel that's very, like, um, sequential, I guess, just images mm-hmm. or a video, but you want it to be something... You want it to have something interactive, I guess. Yeah, I wanted to to have that interactive thing. I I wanted to just showcase some of my creativity. Ah, cool. Um, so yes, I I actually spent a lot of time designing the environment and all the. Well, this is like by then we had already DVDs, so I was like, great, we can put like I can have like uh, widescreen movies on this and transitions and all the menus were like three D stuff and you know you, you click buttons here and there. It was it was very difficult to navigate uh, <laughs> to actually. But uh, I thought it was really cool, and uh, yeah, I think that was probably the highlight of the portfolio. <laughs> so, so you, did you actually make your portfolio on a DVD then, like an interactive DVD? Yeah, every portfolio was an interactive DVD, oh, and cool. each version had to be had to be updated. So each version had a different environment, different thing, a different UI, or yeah. different. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you you get technology like CD-ROM or DVD and or. DVD-ROMs, and uh, it affects so many industries in a different way. And I guess in, with animation, like I never thought of it that way, like that people would use the interactivity of a DVD menu to kind of showcase their portfolio. Yeah. I, ne- I never thought that people did that. And, cool. and that actually started before, because when I was still studying in Ecuador, the big thing was, was uh, CD-ROMs. Yeah, like CDI and all that stuff, like yeah. Philips uh, CDI. So, so then, back then, we were uh, learning a package called Micromedia Director. Um, and that was basically a package for making CD-ROMs. Yeah. So we were, we were doing some coding. Um, it was amazing because we could put like uh, QuickTime events in there, which was like, wow. And already back then, I was like, I was already building my portfolios like that. Uh, was it in Flash or the Macromedia stuff? Was so the mac- Macromedia Director, it's a, it's its own thing. It's not Flash. Ah, okay. Um, it's it died slowly <laughs> with the CD-ROM. First, Flash replaced it because CD-ROM went down, and then websites came in. Yeah. And the only way for having more interactivity into website was Flash. So we yeah. all went into Flash, and I yeah. did the same thing in Flash, and my yeah. my portfolios on the websites. Same thing. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> Spent so much time doing those menus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So do you think that was kind of your first segue into UI art in general? Yeah. Or? More UX, I would UX, say. UX, yeah. yeah. The flows and stuff. Now you're... It's, it's only now that I see how much I failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think that's a, that's a good thing. It's it's an indication of learning. When I yeah. I have it too as a as a coder. If I, if I look at a piece of code that's four months old, and I don't see that it sucks or that it can be improved, then then I worry. Oh no, maybe I'm not learning enough. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah. So then, after Canada, you moved to the UK for, and that was still for animation, or yeah. So after Canada, I was, I was very very happy with the uh, with my education there. I learned so much, made so many contacts. Hmm. Like for me, the, the teachers that were there, like people that used to work on Weta, or yeah, I, I was just blown away being in the same room that this this guy. You had people from Weta workshop at uh, yeah. teaching. Oh yeah. wow. That's so cool. for us, it was just like, just tell me what you have done. That's yeah. enough. That's already paid. And, you know, I paid this course already. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's already paid the whole education. Worth the money. Yeah. Worth the money. <laughs> but then, I mean, after that, we just applied everywhere. Um, UK was a, well, London was a good option because they, a couple companies replied. So I just went there and was like, okay, we'll see who wants to hire me. Um, so I, I was lucky. I started working at uh, Prime Focus. Mm-hmm. And primarily doing advertisement and trying to do more movies. So we did a couple like Bollywood and uh, low-budget yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. But Bollywood, I mean, Bollywood is usually high-budget, right? Like the, nowadays their budgets are higher kind of than Hollywood. Yeah, I guess um, it was interesting because Bollywood, I think they have very different aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was, it's very different from Hollywood, yeah. I would say. Um, but that's that's when I actually made the transition into um, into video games because that that experience in London I think I was about two years maybe doing this okay yeah. um, and I realized that I actually don't like doing advertisement uh, yeah. and I was back in Ecuador I also did advertisement I knew that like, advertisement is not my thing I want to yeah. do animation I want to do films I want to tell stories yeah that was my goal but um, I guess kind of the reality hit. As in, like, if you're an animator, you most of the time you're going to be doing advertisement, and and for me it wasn't it wasn't the the cake that I wanted to eat. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, you, you, yeah, because I guess I mean I worked in ads for a bit as well when I was doing apps, and mm-hmm. the problem with that is you're kind of chasing people's advertisement budgets, like so a company allocates a certain amount, like this this is what we're going to spend on advertising and then they set out all these pitches for different companies and everyone's competing to try to get the same bag of money kind of so it's a very I mean I guess the the good thing about it is the the pitch cycle I like that because then you can be creative and do things fast but then you just and even if you win it you you kind of all the creative the majority of the creative work is already done in the pitch yeah and then it's just chewing and for me, it wasn't only that. It was that I think I was pursuing a, a, a bit of a glamorous idea of all oh, short films and movies oh, yeah. and telling telling a story. I think telling a story and being very very artsy was my so, was my thing. So I think I was I was a little bit frustrated and disappointed that 
Well, in reality, actually, this is what you do as an animator. Yeah. So it's not so much that I didn't like the animation, I just didn't like the, uh, the, the industry that the yeah. animation had to survive in. Yeah, um, so, so you wanted to, to focus more on narrative, I guess. Yeah. And, and in ads, you only get very, like, little bit of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it's true. Like, my first contact with animators was also in ads. Like, I didn't... I guess the, the majority of animators work on ma doing motion graphics for ads and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. But then that's, that's where I came back into motion graphics. I mean, I, I studied graphic design back in Ecuador, so through animation I did more motion graphics. And it's a bit of a luck because I was applying for an animator's position at uh, Eurocom. Yeah. It's a games company studio, a uh, games company in, uh, in the UK. And they actually, I went for an interview, but they were thinking of me being a CG compositor. Oh. Based, based on my portfolio, they saw the stuff and they're like, okay, you're good for a CG compositor. So the interview was a little bit, uh, it was a funny interview because I thought I was going for an animator's position and they thought like, oh, this guy is great for a CG compositor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and but, but, I, but I told them like, let's make a deal, like I'll do the first project with you as a CG compositor and the next project you put me as an animator. And so I did the first project with them as um, I did G-Force G-Force oh, was it the, the Gravity Police no no that's G-Police G-Force G-Force was the uh, it's like guinea pigs it's based on the movie oh yeah okay this, the they, movie they, we yeah. used to do we used to do a lot of games that were released with movies yeah okay so it was a game for kids and then after that I did Dead Space as yeah. an animator oh cool yeah. um, which and was which is more enjoyable more enjoyable, but then at that point I really tasted the uh, motion graphics and the games, and I started getting into the into the industry. So, so on GeForce you were doing compositing. Yeah. So then it was just I guess post on yeah. video, like real video material. Yeah. It was it was a bit. Um, this is the PS2 era. Yeah. This is uh, second generation. Um, so it was setting up a whole render farm to capture uh, the stuff from the engine, uh, do a lot of post-processing, like pimping it up, uh, and putting it back into the engine mm -hmm. uh, to have these cutscenes that they are more shiny. Pre-rendered, nice. yeah. yeah. And so after GeForce, you mentioned Dead Space? And then we had Dead Space for, for the Wii, which was uh, Dead Space Extraction. Uh -huh. I think it was released on its own, and then it was released with a PS... Uh, with the uh, Dead Space three or two maybe, oh, okay. But then that was that 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 did it as an animator, uh, so that was a nice experience. But I think the project that came after that it was Golden Eye. Golden Eye, yeah. We were redoing the Golden Eye for the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and at that point, where they were they were like, okay, we're gonna have these cutscenes, pre-rendered cutscenes. We're gonna do the same thing that we did in GeForce. We're gonna outsource all this massive work of motion graphics that we're gonna that we're gonna produce and, and did you because you were in London so did you guys have touch with the people at Rare that did the original GoldenEye did, did you have any contact with them or uh, I personally didn't um, Eurocom was set up in the East Midlands so this is Nottingham oh, okay, yeah. uh, surrounding area yeah. uh, so, so by then I moved out of London ah, okay. and I was yeah. in, the, in the countryside so you don't remember having any touch with the rare people? Uh, not, not really. Mm. Um, we did have, like, I think the 
higher level yeah, personnel. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I had more contact with. Uh, I was more on the ground. Yeah. And did you did you also or did you guys in in preparation for making Golden Eye? Did you guys play the old game or did you pick it up or? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we played yeah. the old game. <laughs> cool. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't such a big player of the game yeah. back back from the days, but a lot of people were obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did play a lot of the game. We wanted, we wanted to capture the split screen experience because yeah, yeah. that was that was a big thing for GoldenEye, right? Yeah. You could, four people could sit in a couch and play the thing together. So we set set up for like, oh, we should do the same. Yeah, I I, sp I spent like with my friends hundreds of hours playing that game on N sixty four. It's crazy yeah. how much. Okay, I've broken many a controller playing <laughs> that game. <laughs> it's just in a way, I think. That has been lost for many games that are multiplayer now. Yeah, because every person is sitting at their own home, their own couch. So yeah, there's not that there's not that many games that you can play shoulder to shoulder, right? It's kind of coming back a bit with the indie stuff, like mm. Overcooked and the games that are coming out now. Uh, they they There's some games that are capturing that again, but it's there. There's not a lot of them. Yeah, you're right. Mm. But so yeah. So you mentioned the render farms and stuff. So did you guys do that as well for GoldenEye then, or? Yeah. So by by GoldenEye, we we knew that we wanted to have pre-rendered cutscenes uh, on a much higher quality. Yeah. So the studio was thinking of outsourcing all this stuff, like hiring a, a, a company in London. And with the experience that I had already, I just went to them. I pitched them like, look, you can we can save a lot of money here if I do all these movies. Oh, wow! <laughs> and at first they were like, "Really? Are you gonna do all these movies? <laughs> you by yourself?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, man. This look. This is nothing. This is like After Effects. One guy. Boom. Job done." <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I, I pitched them that. I had my lead like support me on this. Um, we did a couple tests. They loved it, and they're like, "Okay, you got it." And did did you also do? Were you at that point involved in any UI concepting for GoldenEye, or was there any stuff like that, or were you really just on the cutscenes? They was really completely on the cutscenes. Now, these this pre-rendered movies, they were supposed to be, um, let's say, what, what James Bond would see on his smartphone. Ah, okay. Yeah. So all these, all these movies were mimicking his interaction with the smartphone. Ah, yeah. So it was... Um, now, this is, this, is, this is a concept that I, I worked a lot with, which is the uh, fantasy UI and real UI. Yeah. So I did a lot of fantasy UI in, in during, during that time. So you had to be, in, you had to look at UI, uh, look like UI, uh, but just not functional. But just not fluff, functional. Yeah. Just fluff. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of there even a lot of fluff into that. So like, okay, we're missing a little bit of a spice here. Let's yeah. just add some more. <laughs> more layers of uh, yeah. dots and artifacts and yeah. stuff. <laughs> and and I would say uh, for a long time for me that's what. That was the goal as UI, like, oh, I make, UI is this, this is how I should make UI look like, like more yeah. fluff, more stuff. I'm, I'm going to come back to that later because yeah. I have, have another experience with that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that was, that, that, that was a, I was very happy with that experience and, and the studio later they hired someone to help me out because it, it turned out to be... Yeah. Too much work. Too much work, yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess it, it was also your first um, uh, view on how games are made because, I mean... Everybody agrees that games, as a medium, it's a very complex medium. The medium there's tech and there's art and mm -hmm. there's uh, narrative and all those things come together. And so the projects are usually way more difficult than a movie project. Uh, 
So did you learn a lot about that, I guess? Or you learned a lot about that in your first job as well? I guess it's all relevant experience to what you do now. Yeah, I mean, all that, that was, Eurocom for me was a school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like going to uni and learning game development. Yeah. And that's what I decided that um, I'm not going to pursue animation anymore. I decided I'm not going to go back into movies anymore. I mean, this industry is so diverse. You have so many things, and I get to interact with so many different disciplines and people and yeah, cool. figure out different problems. And I, 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 literally, I fell in love with the industry. I was like, I'm not going back again to, the, <laughs> to what I had before. I'm, uh, this is my new path. Yeah. Uh, it's been ever since, and, and yeah, I'm very happy I, I did that. Okay, and after Eurocom, so you me- you mentioned before before when we talked before you mentioned you went back to Ecuador for a bit. And yeah, after after a while, after um, yeah, I guess at some point you. Uh, th- this is another. This is a, a bit of a life yeah. experience because. I realized that, well, what am I doing with my life? And, and I realized that, you know what, actually, I love this job. I love the work. Uh, but I think my personal life has to come first. Yeah. So I was looking into, like, well, I want to have a partner in my life. Yeah. I want, like, a future with... I don't want to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to Ecuador trying to stay there. Uh, the, the industry there, it's... I thought there, there is game companies there, but it's, uh, it's very challenging. It's difficult. Yeah. yeah. And... And at that point, Sweden was uh, eager to... Well, Sweden offered me a job, uh, Starbreeze. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So I thought, why not? Let's try it out. I uh, came here, and then you know, one job led to the next, yeah. and it just ended up being an amazing place. And, and at Starbreeze, you, you, you're, you worked on Syndicate, right? The Syndicate reboot. So I worked on Syndicate Starbreeze. Um, again, I was doing support work for UI. Yeah. I actually did a lot of UI work in, in, uh, in, at Eurocom as well, yeah. as an artist. I was, yeah. I was supporting, I wasn't doing UX, but I was doing a lot of menus and buttons yeah. and stuff like that. Textures. Yeah. And, and Starbreeze was slightly similar, like I did support, but still my main focus was uh, motion graphics. Yeah. So officially I was video producer. Okay. So I was actually yeah. managing people also producing videos for the game. Okay. And uh, did you... Did you guys also look at the old Syndicate games, or did you just you never experience them? Because uh, I grew up playing the old Bullfrog games, you know the the old ones. But uh, did you guys look at those games as well for feel or? So from from what I know, the team did, did yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Now the Star uh, Syndicate was either a five five year production I think it was pretty long yeah, okay I came on the last six months oh okay um, yeah. so I, I pretty much came to wrap this thing things yeah. up right <laughs> ship it yeah <laughs> ship it change the UI one last time and you know it's like <laughs> um, so yeah, it was at that point they were all racing to the end uh, so we were we were on that boat it's kind of like it's not yeah. no more research no more exploration no more just this and that finish just, it. let's just there's the finish line let's just run mm. yeah and so after that, you came to Dice the first time, I guess. After after Syndicate. that, I came the first time to Dice. It was uh, I came to a kind of bit of an experimental position because we were doing uh, Levolution for BF4. Yeah, I heard about that <laughs> the yeah. concept. So it it was interesting because at that point I thought like, well, I'm I'm so multi-skilled that I can probably tackle any challenge. Um, but it it turned out to be a position that it wasn't for me. Yeah. So it was it was a bit of a tough decision 
for, for both Dice and myself, but uh, we just recognize that this, this position is not really for me because okay. we need someone with different skills. And do you think you kind of you bit off more than you could handle, or do you? How do you feel about that now? Like no, I, ju I just think I didn't. Um, well, I, I guess I was. Uh, it was a different skill set. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just. I, I mean, now in hindsight, it's obvious. But back then, yeah. you're like, that sounds interesting. I yeah. bet I can do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's it's funny because I, I read an article the other day about the difference between like men and women how they approach a job mm. uh, and men usually like if they see that they hit fifty percent of the requirements for a job they're like oh yeah I can do this and they apply <laughs> and women are more like uh, yeah it, it has to hit more than eighty percent kind of so. It's funny, like I've always, I've also done that in the past, where I'm like in my eagerness, like oh yeah, I can totally do that job, and I apply, and then later I figure out that I have to relearn like a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I think yeah. I'll fall into the statistics yeah. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was definitely more, uh, more optimistic about the. Uh, yeah, but you know, it was, it was a great, great learning experience, from the point that well, I learned that about myself yeah. first of all, and second of all, I, I just really. I just thought, like, well, the next job that I apply, I really need to make sure that this is the right job for me, yeah. and and show the, the the next the next guys that this is the job for me. Yeah. And that's when I when I started looking, I, I found uh, Ghost, another, which is another EA studio. Yeah. Um, and they were looking for Need for Speed. They were the Ghost was a new studio at that point. They were just beginning. Okay. Uh, starting up. Uh, so they sent me like, okay, we we saw your portfolio. Send us your. Uh, this is a test. These are the parameters. Yeah. Uh, so I did basically. That, that was the Need for Speed. That reboot? was Need for Speed yeah. reboot. The first, which year was that? Twenty. Uh, this is 2012. 2012. Yeah. So they, they they were doing their first Need for Speed. The first Need for Speed made in Sweden. That was because Criterion was the one doing Need for Speed. Yeah. And now we're like, okay, let's try to make this Need for Speed in in, in Sweden. Yeah. But remember, that I spent I really spent a, a huge effort on that on that test. Like I did probably double of what was asked wow. for me, yeah. because I at that point that from the previous humbling experience, <laughs> I was like, well, I really need to impress these guys. And because what was the position they were hiring you as a UI? Artist? This was UI. UI art. Yeah. Okay. This was UI, but my 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 application it was showing a lot of fantasy UI. Okay. It was a lot of fluff. Yeah. <laughs> and it was meant to impress, and and you know from what I was told, they they were impressed. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't until I started in the studio that I started really digging my hands into what is UI and what is not. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was also a, an amazing experience. Yeah, I guess it, like learning the simplicity of it, or that by showing less, yeah, it's actually more functional and yeah. stuff like that. I have to say, we 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 went to set up. The, the, well, the the game Need for Speed, the first Need for, Need for Speed that was done there, it had a. It changed the art direction as we yeah. as we developed it, and at the beginning it was a little bit more like Iron Man UI. Yeah. So we actually the test that I did was very Iron Man UI. Yeah. And we started building that, and we learned that you know what actually all this Iron Man stuff doesn't work. It's not. <laughs> it's just not. It's not, not a great. Not a great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we toned it down a bit, and then well the art direction changed and. Um, the UI had to be updated, but that whole process yeah. it really opened my eyes. Yeah. And, I, and, and actually, this is what I see with a lot of people that had the same background that I had: is that you do motion graphics and you try to translate the same 
the same feeling to UI um, without recognizing that when you see a movie, you have the control as an artist. Yeah. When yeah. you have a game, the user has the control. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a funny way to look at it. Like because I guess when you're watching a movie, you you just you experience what they want to show you, and with a game, it's the other way around. You have to understand what you experience. Yeah. Kind of. And but man, that game was really cool. The the Need for Speed, the first one, the the reboot, it was so amazing. I remember that it was it was all in the dark, right? Like there's no, there's, it's only a nighttime game. And oh, this is oh second. The first one was Rivals. Oh, you were on Rivals first. Yeah. Okay. The one that you're describing is the the follow up on that. Oh, okay. Which so was a bit of an underground field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you were talking about Rivals yeah. first. Okay. Cool. And so that was your first hand in UI, I guess, like UI real as a UI position. Yeah, that that was the first real real UI. Uh, okay. Yeah. And and then the the next game, so the the Need for Speed that I was talking about. Yeah, I I remember that game was, it had the videos right. The menus had vid, real life uh, videos. Live action videos yeah. with UI laid on top of it, and uh, I remember the masking. Like you, you could actually see your car in the live action video and stuff. Yeah. I, I was really blown away by it. Must have been a nightmare to get it right. But it was, so so at that point I wasn't in, in the like let's say like yeah. video department. Yeah. But we were seeing like obviously we're all in the production, yeah. and uh, just to just to have the frames match with the frames of the game. Oh wow! Yeah. That was that was a nightmare. Because I guess the cinematic team. runs at like twenty four frames per second, yeah. and then you have to match the render. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I I was I was blown away with what yeah. the team did, um, because yeah, matching that. I mean, the the render part. I mean, if you spend enough time, you can yeah. you you can make things match. But actually, the discrepancy of the different technologies. If you don't match that, then you have nothing. It yeah. doesn't matter how good the 3D is, right? Yeah. So I think all the all the tech that went into that and all the thinking and solving all these issues is. Uh, I I have no idea how they did that, but I really admire it. I I think it's great because I, it was a great direction because. Like I remember in the PS2 era, like that was the first time I saw a racing game. It was Gran Turismo 3, I think. It was the first time where I watched a replay of a racing game, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like it's getting scary close to reality, you know. Especially in racing games, because the the hero models or the hero cars are relatively low poly if you compare it to a, a humanoid or an, uh, mm. and and. That was kind of the first time where I, in my head, I was like, okay, this is getting scary, it's getting really realistic. And then Need for Speed kind of leveraged that, and they actually just did it, you know, they overlaid the car on the video, and they're like, yeah. spot the difference, and yeah. you don't, and it's really cool. Yeah. I think it's a really cool direction uh, that was taken. Yeah. And I also remember that in that game, the like the neon glow of the HUD, because it was a night only game yeah. I remember the neon uh, like that was that also an art direction like from the start did you know you were going to go that way kind of or? yeah that was that, that game from the start was had a, a um, clear direction and I think yeah. we maintained so I didn't I didn't stay for the entire project on, on that yeah. one um, I, I moved to, to Norway uh, before we actually started 
we, we hit heavy production. I, I freelanced for Ghost later from okay. Norway. Uh-huh. Uh, but, the, but the main like, UI in our direction was, uh, was obviously controlled by, by like, the people yeah. in-house. The state. Yeah. Yeah. So Jonas Wikström was, uh, is, he still worked there. Um, he was the main like, visionary of the, uh, how the direction was going to yeah, go. It was it's really cool, yeah. really cool direction. Yeah, who knows, maybe I'll interview him one day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. And in Norway, so you mentioned you freelanced there. Did you work on game projects, or so obviously with Ghost? So in Norway, um, I did a bit of a mixed bag of things because I went there and I freelanced. Uh, the game industry is a lot smaller over there. Mm. Uh, less companies, smaller companies, more indie, with no budget, often. Um, but I, I was lucky to do a bit of freelance for Ghost for that Need for Speed game. Um, it wasn't as involved as in like when you're in house, but you know, still, you, you had a chance to work on it. Yeah. Um, that was I think the only game, and the rest was just uh, advertisements and. Uh, well, actually, I was doing a master's in illustration, so I, I focused more of my time into uh, into my studies. Because oh, yeah. I've seen, I mean, you showed me your comics. Do you want to say anything about that? Because they are kind of interactive as well, and and I guess very illustration heavy. So, wh- so yeah. So this, so like moving, moving, uh, you know, slightly off games, yeah. but but games related, I guess, in some way. I, I wanted I, I wanted to do a master's degree since I remember, and I moved to Norway. And I thought like, well, actually, this is the chance now to have the time now to do this master's. And I do a master's in illustration, which is I didn't expect it to uh, make a new career. I just thought like I'm just gonna study something cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as was as uh, as I was developing this uh, my my thesis, I realized that you know what the what I love about animation is storytelling, and mm-hmm. I can do storytelling with comics. So I should do that. Um, but at the same time, I also like, now I have this UX stuff, this UI, this game thing. Maybe I should do some sort of interactive comic. And it was a lot of brainstorming, going back and forth. Should I make it a game? Should I make it this and that? It ended up being very simple, interactive comic experience. And you just it's a website that you scroll up and down. Uh, and the parallax effect yeah. with, like, with HTML5. Uh, super simple, but I, I, I thought it was very enjoyable, very satisfying, and I thought that okay, this is a nice experience for a user, reading a comic and having this non-intrusive slightly very, very, very subtle animation on elements. Yeah, it's something that kind of gives you a narrative or a, like something animates in, so you kind of yeah. it says something, like in the narrative, oh cool. Uh, and but that kind of returns you to what you were talking about in the beginning, that you always kind of wanted to work on stuff that's more narrative-driven, yeah. I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just I, that really made me realize that you know I can do exactly the same that I wanted to do. I want to I want to tell stories. I want to narrative, and I can do it with comics. I don't. It's really as much as I love animation. It just takes too much time. I'm one person, so yeah. I don't have enough time to do all of it. Um, and did but you do the HTML side of it as well, or did you do everything? Or yeah, so I did everything. Uh, I mean, I know basic coding, uh, mm. but I used uh, Adobe Muse, okay. which is yeah. a cool piece of package. Um, I was showcasing this project to different people, and a composer was interested. So this this guy, this Norwegian guy, he offered to do a music 
for the oh, wow, project. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, did a, so he did a full score for it. Wow. <laughs> cool. Free. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so that was a very, very... Um, that was a fun interaction. That was a fun project to work yeah, with. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. Did you, did you grow up reading comics at all? Or was this kind of your foray into it? Or? You know what? Not at all, actually. I, didn't, I, was in, I was not into comics at all. And it wasn't until uni that one of my... One of my mentors, he said, he's like, well, check this out. I was like, well, it's yeah. a comic. He's like, no, 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 man. It's different. Watchmen. <laughs> Watchmen. Uh, v for Vendetta. Yeah. First yeah. things that he, the stuff that he gave me, uh, Sandman, he gave me the stuff. He was like, just read this. I was like, oh, my God, this, this is, I had no idea. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, I remember also reading Watchmen. Like, it was the first real dark comic mm. out there, kind of. I had a friend who passed me that as well. Like, read this. And even when the movie came out recently, like a couple of years back, uh, I mean, it's really nice to see how they uh, used the comic really well to make the movie. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But with this whole narrative, I think, because it, it, it also made me see how I see games differently now. Mm -hmm. Because it's still, it's still narrative. I mean, even if you are doing a multiplayer game, you're talking about the story of the user it's always a story it's always yeah. it's always a journey of someone it's either the fictional character on the screen or if it's the user's character progressing to something or yeah. because I, I just see myself when I play mm -hmm. I just wanna this is my story I'm, I'm, I'm building this identity in this game so I, I really started seeing pretty much my whole my whole job my whole UX UI job as a storyteller in a way yeah, yeah. it's funny it's I guess it is true you 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 look at the user's experience as a story and mm. you try to make that as smooth as possible, I guess, yeah. or as well-paced as possible. Um, so, and then after Norway, so I guess you finished, you graduated, you got your master's degree, and then you moved back to Sweden again? Yes, yeah, so I uh, moved back to Sweden, and, you know, there was a, this opportunity showed up for DICE. Sounds like DICE... Uh, I know the people there, I know yeah. the studio, I'll, def I'll work with them anytime. And this was BF1 you came back? This or? is BF1, the first yeah. expansion pack, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. So I, start, I started with that. Um, yes, I mean, it, it was what I was uh, expecting, basically, because yeah. I knew the people, I knew that I, I wanted to work with people that are dedicated and, you know, they care. Yeah. And I, I really missed being with a team, yeah. just doing things as a collective. Yeah. Because freelancing, when you're freelancing as much freedom as you have with your time you you are a lot of often alone yeah um, yeah yeah like yeah i i have a lot of friends like people that i worked with at guerrilla games and they went into freelancing after that and all of them tell me the same thing they're like we still miss the camaraderie that we had you know when we're all together shipping something together it's mm -hmm. still uh, something you miss i guess I, even if you are like a lot of studios when they outsource stuff to freelancers, they involve them, so they're mm. the the, team, the freelancers are close to the team. But it's still different, I guess, in a way. Um, cool. And then I guess Casablanca or BF5 just came out, and uh, you did UI work there as well, icons and uh, graphic, 2D graphics, 2D art, yeah, and so UX design, I guess. Yeah. So the, it was. For me, it was like a, a next step because I did more, um, well, I did the art side of it, obviously, I was involved in that, but I was more involved also with the uh, workflows, um, 
more UX. It's like more more of everything that it just surrounds the UI. And it, it was very satisfactory experience for me on, on that sense because I I managed I I was able to put some of my own ideas into the into the table into the process and see workflows actually improve you know certain things or, uh, or buttons or you know, yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was really putting to the test a lot of things that I've learned through the years. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I joined four months ago approximately and we started yeah. working together now. <laughs> and so yeah, man, it's awesome. I, I, I'm really looking forward to our work together in the future. And Likewise. I'm sure we're going to make some cool stuff <laughs> uh, going forward. So yeah, thanks for doing this, I guess. And who knows, maybe we'll do one again later when, when we've got more to say. <laughs> oh, no, man, thank, thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I hope uh, it's interesting for people. And uh, I'm, I'm planning to interview a lot more people from the industry. And uh, yeah, I hope it gives a bit of an insight on the journeys, I guess, of people, uh, how they got where they are in the industry and stuff like that. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you.